Hey, Altaro. What's going on? We got a podcast about from the Blazer. If I was a listener, where would I go to find more? You can check us out on our website, thebuffintheblazer.com. Drew over there writes a article that goes along with every single episode. You can find all kinds of little extras on the articles, and you can listen to the podcast right there. Also, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, we're on Twitter at Buff and Blazer. Follow us there. Get those clicks, people. The Buff and the Blazer. Welcome to the Buff and the Blazer podcast, episode six with Drew and El Tato. What's going on, people? Today we're talking The Gentleman, directed by Guy Ritchie, written and directed by Guy Ritchie. El Tato, this movie seems to be right up your alley, and I'm very curious to know what your general thoughts were of it. I was pretty excited. I really like uh, one Guy Ritchie movie a lot, Snatch, from the past. I was a little let down, to be honest. Going into the movie, I had some pretty high expectations considering the cast and that it's just the type of movie that I like a lot. And I was uh, not disappointed thoroughly, like I hated the movie, but I was expecting quite a bit more. I get you. I, I kind of echo what you just said. The cast was what stood out to me the most during the promotion of this movie, and I was excited to see it. And the last Guy Ritchie film I saw was Aladdin, believe it or not. And that was probably one of the least Guy Ritchie-type films that I've seen from him, which he, was pretty interesting. He directed a Disney movie? He did, Aladdin. Live the, action. And it was pretty good, too. The one with Will Smith as the genie? That's him, yeah. That movie. Did you see it in the theater? No. No, I wasn't that interested to see it. But I did see it streaming, and it was pretty good. I was, I was pleasantly surprised with it. Did you watch it with, like, your niece? And nephews? Or? Yeah, the nieces and nephews definitely got me to, to watch it with them. And, you know, I'm a Robin Williams fan, so when I heard Will Smith was in that one, I was like, I don't know. How'd he do? He was he was great. Was he did it his funny? It was, was it as funny as the first one? Probably not. But Guy Ritchie stepping into a film like that surprised me, and I thought he did a pretty damn good job with, with that film. Cool. With this one, though, however... It was okay. It was fine to me. It it felt like a Guy Ritchie film, like a standard. It it was a, reminded me a lot of Snatch, larger than life characters with very distinct personalities. Where it kind of fell apart for me was a little bit of the story and the plot line, which we can get into. Yeah, for the most part, I think the strength of the movie was the characters, and overall, it was it was enjoyable to watch. It it was there were some fun moments, but. Overall, it was I was okay with it. It's I'm not even sure if it's a film that I would watch again. But the well. comedy of the movie was the best part for me. Okay, it was it was pretty damn funny. Yeah, I wanted a little more action, and it almost felt like kind of movie where it's like, well, we hit it so big with with Snatch. Let's just kind of do the same type of movie with a million different plot lines that all <laughs> twist together. It felt like almost like a reboot. A little bit. Not that the the plot line is exactly the same, yeah. but the structure. Let me ask you this, because as I was sitting there and, and they were dropping the plot, I felt like I needed a pegboard with some string to like figure out all these little subplots and how they all connected. And at, after the end, I was like, man, I don't know if that was just that dense and confusing or if I'm just one of those dumb fans. But what? If, how did it hit you with the whole web of plot? It was really complicated, but I did feel like even though it was super complicated, everything was going to be completely woven into each other by the end, just like Snatch right. was, you know? So I didn't care that much that I wasn't following things as tightly as I wanted to. Sure. I was following pretty well. Yeah, yeah. And I was sober for this movie, which is kind of weird. <laughs> I don't normally see movies sober, but I was driving home from work and I didn't have anything with me. So I went and saw it and... uh Maybe that helped with me not being as confused, but it didn't bother me much. I was, I just knew it was all going to come together at the end, and it was probably going to be a misdirection at the end because that's how these movies work. 
Right. So I just knew I, I really just kind of settled into the comedy of it because about halfway through the movie, I was like, oh, this is not going to be as action packed as I was hoping for. Right. So I just really settled into the jokes because there's a lot of good jokes in the movie. It's really witty. It, there's a lot of witty writing in the movie. And, and that's, I think, pretty common with Guy Ritchie films. And considering he wrote the screenplay, I, that was <laughs> there were a lot of really funny little one-liners in the film. Great, talking great about accents. that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the Cockney accents that yeah. they got going on in there. My favorite line. I have a favorite line in this film. The whole movie. There's one line, and it's from the character of Rosalind, played by Michelle Dockery, and she's talking with uh, Mickey, who's played by Matthew McConaughey, and. I'm trying to remember the scene in particular, but I remember the line she delivers after she kind of gets, they, they're kind of delivering, like, there's something going on behind the scenes that they discover, and she just comes out and says, there's fuckery afoot. Mm. I love that line. That's there's, good. There's fuckery afoot. My, my favorite line in the movie is when uh, Fletcher, Hugh Grant's character, is getting ready to leave uh, Ray's house. Yeah. What's his name? Charlie Hunman? Ray, yeah. Or Hunnam. Charlie right? Hunnam. And uh, Ray or Raymond. Raymond. But when Hugh Grant is getting ready to leave after he pitches his whole movie, which is wrapped into the story <laughs> that he's trying to extort money out yeah. of him for. But when he says, I'm going to go take a bath, and, and uh, Hugh Grant goes, oh, can I come with you? <laughs> that was my favorite line in the movie. It was hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of great little one-liners throughout the movie that made it really funny. But going back to plot real quick, um, the way the film is structured, I thought it was clever how they decided to get into the plot. I like that you start with Fletcher, Hugh Grant's character, and he's kind of sitting there as a like a private investigator, almost, and he's narrating the story, like the the events that he's been able to come to after all of his investigative work and the idea of that was was really really cool to me but the the way they did it the way it was presented in the movie made it a little difficult to follow and I was really kind of sitting there trying hard to follow every little line and I guess that was maybe I should have taken the approach of you and just let it kind of go and because it does come together at the end yeah and it does get woven into like the current storyline and it 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 weaves in so the story catches up with the backstory but yeah it's a time jumper a little yeah. bit you know like right in the beginning of the movie they show the scene in the bar where you think uh, McConaughey's character gets shot right at the very beginning of the movie yeah and and then when Hugh Grant is at Raymond's house that story kind of like becomes the present even though they're jumping back right right the whole time and then the story kind of like picks up and catches up with the narration and then goes in in present time so it kind of jumps all over the place yeah with a little time fuckery right but uh it's good there's fuckery afoot oh yeah <laughs> well real quick hugh grant i gotta say hugh grant in that role of fletcher was phenomenal casting that dude he's my favorite character in the film like his his accent, his his tone that he plays again like this larger than life character. He's really clever, and then underneath there's like these homosexual undertones, and he's he makes all these little comments that kind of hint at his character's tastes and whatnot. <laughs> it's just amazing to watch and to see Hugh Grant in a role like that. Because really I think funny. of I think of Hugh Grant, you know, as the the king of romantic comedies like from the late 90s i haven't seen 2000s. too many hugh grant movies <laughs> yeah like about a boy but it was really nice and refreshing to see him in a role like that yeah he was super funny like almost every maybe second or third line he has in the whole movie is hilarious <laughs> and his interplay with with uh ray raymond's oh, character yeah. is really good too because he's like super measured and reserved Right. And every word that he's like almost real laconic with his speech, he's just giving one word answers. Yeah. 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 To this whole kind of extortion. Right. Thing that's being pitched at him. <laughs> and that that part of the movie is hilarious. It's really funny. 
Yeah. And it goes on for almost the whole movie. Well, the other thing I loved about their interactions, too, is that he's he's dropping all these these nuggets of information to Ray. And then on top of that, he's kind of imposing himself because he's in Ray's home. So they go out into the backyard and he's like, oh, is that a, a barbecue? And he's really he gets Ray to, to cook him a steak. And they're sitting there and he's like checking out the grill while he's like you know, interrogating him almost, not interrogating, but he's, he's dropping, extorting him. extorting him. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's just really funny to see with their interaction. Yeah. Hugh Grant's hilarious. He's, I've never seen him like in a really funny role before. Yeah. Like this, I'm assuming in those rom-coms he's, he's, you know, charming and funny, but yeah. this was like a different kind of almost like very playful. Oh yeah. Very sexual. And, very <laughs> conniving at the same time like it's it's really funny like i like being extra extra nice and almost flirty <laughs> while he's trying to extort 20 million dollars yeah you know so that that part was really funny to me and what does he call ray he, he calls him like darling or sweetie or all kinds like of it, all stuff, kinds of little yeah. pet names <laughs> yeah really hilarious so the the main what kicks off the main plot of this film and this is what i'm the most interested to hear from you is the the weed aspect of the movie which is mickey pearson who's matthew mcconaughey's character is running this weed operation in the uk was there anything that jumped out to you where you were just like i don't buy that that's not how something like this would work so the whole operation that he has set up is very cool in the way that it's done. And it's very kind of like speaking to the rich people in the world and how things kind of go, right? How the, the rich people kind of dabble on both sides of the law. So McConaughey's character, Mickey has this massive network that he's been building through being like, kind of like a gangster drug Lord all the way from college up until he's in his 40s now and he's got this massive operation all over the island of rich people's estates that he grows weed on underground. Right. So he has all of these underground things placed in areas where authorities wouldn't be looking anyway because this is the royalty of the country. Right. Which I thought was a really cool way to kind of get a little jab at the old one percenters in the world. And say, yeah, they're probably doing horrible, horrible shit. If you consider weed horrible shit, I don't. <laughs> but the part when they actually go into the operation was just like, come the fuck on. It's like, you can't sit down and do, you know, an hour on YouTube and watch some tours of what real commercial level, industrial level facilities look like. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I get that it's underground, but they come down the stairs and they walk into what should be a bedroom, considering how small all the plants are. They're all in tiny pots. They're all like, you know, half a foot or, you know, there's some like clone look at things. And then there's some plants that are like maybe two feet tall in tiny pots with giant nuggets on them that are like late in flower. And then there's like a whole industrial flower setup, <laughs> which is just like none of that shit would all be visible from each other. And if you were running industrial shit, you wouldn't have little plants that are, you wouldn't be flowering out plants that are only going to yield a little bit unless they're testers. And if they are testers, all that shit would be in different rooms. Like, yeah, you could just do a little bit of research and see that like there's different stages of the plant and it would have been way cooler to shoot the movie more accurately. Like he comes down into the shipping container and they walk in and maybe they're in like the cloning room with the moms or something. Oh, okay. And then they go into another room and then they're in the, you know, the veg room where plants are getting vet. And then they go into the big flower room where all the giant, like just yeah. do it. Like every plant in the movie had a giant nugget on it. <laughs> and it was just like, come on. And then when the toddlers go and they steal all the shit, it's like, what are they doing stealing plants? Like, it's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> they shouldn't be stealing plants. Just take all the finished product, and they take all these plants, and they don't have any lights. It's like, oh, you're going to finish these out and dry them? And pro it's, <laughs> there just wasn't a lot of respect to the process. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, this is the, the highest 
technology in the world for growing cannabis. It's like, if you're going to make that claim, <laughs> put a little bit of time into doing the research to film it accurately yeah. and not just have this generic, all the plants are just in there and all the lights are on and it's just all <laughs> connected to each other. Like they got this giant flower room. Right. It was just bad. Okay. Yeah. And the names, they did a little research apparently on the names of the cannabis. So Do you they, remember some of the names off yeah, the so, of these? So his big winner was like, uh, what do you call it? White Widow Super Cheese. Yeah. So that can be real. Like if he's crossing, I have, I've never seen a widow cross with a cheese, but those are two real strains. Okay. I okay. actually got some White Widow seeds coming in the mail here pretty soon. But, and I forget what the other one, something skunk. He called it something skunk. There's a ton of skunk strains out there, so that's kind of accurate. There was one in there that I was like, I've never heard of that, but okay, they they kind of made it a little cheesy. Like they, you just could have done a little more research. Yeah, like they were trying to let off that they knew a lot about weed when they really didn't. Yeah, and in yeah. a world where here <laughs> in you know in the states, there's industrial cannabis operations in something like 15 states now or something. Between medical and what's recreationally legal. Yeah. And then it's legal all over parts of Europe. It's like, just do a little bit of research. <laughs> and then in terms of like when they're, when they're smoking doobies, the, like he, that part where McConaughey has homeboy come in and roll a joint and try out some new shit. How about you just make it look like real weed? <laughs> you know, film it in in a warehouse in California. You don't have to film it somewhere where it's legal and just use real weed. <laughs> it's like they got this brown-looking oregano shit, and it's supposed to be the best pot in the world. It's like just, I mean, it doesn't look anything like this right yeah. here. You know, this jar of Girl Scout crack, it don't look anything like that. Yeah. That was one thing that I, I found interesting and funny is when you're introduced to this whole underground world of the the weed growing in the gentleman i was like to, you know for me being a californian and you being out here where our weed is legal and religion yeah i was just like i don't know it's they it's this super dangerous thing that they got going on this dangerous operation it's real high stakes and i just i guess it's my bias from being from california that i just didn't feel it doesn't feel of, that illegal. It doesn't feel dangerous, you know? It's yeah. like, really? You're all worked up about this weed growing underground? <laughs> yeah. And I guess it gets back to just the the dollar amount that's attached to the operation. That part of it's cool. Did you find that accurate, though? That, I don't fucking know. Yeah, see, the numbers they were throwing around, too, I'm like, really? I don't know. I mean, four, what does he try and sell it for? $400 million? Yeah, four or $500 million, something like that. I guess if you have the whole market cornered in a, a whole country like right. that, maybe I don't. I don't know. I don't know what the numbers are. And then I know they also mentioned specifically how much he's able to grow within, like, what is it, a year or something like that. And and they they emphasize like, how is he doing this? Because he's yeah, that part. So uh, at the end, when uh, Matthew Jeremy Strong's character, the guy yeah. who's trying to buy the whole operation, right, right. At the end, when he lays out that one of his places got busted. He has to lose that operation and he throws out all those numbers in terms of what it's going to take to get another operation back up and running and get back to capacity of right. the price. That part seemed accurate, but I don't know. Yeah. Weed takes a long time to grow. So yeah, yeah, it would take a year to have a facility like that probably producing again. Well, yeah, I watched a quick interview with Guy Ritchie that he was doing, and he said his inspiration for writing this was that he found, at least in the UK, he found that the idea of weed and how people have such strong feelings about it, whether they feel it should be legal or whether it should not be legal, that was kind of a, a conundrum that, that really interested him. And he said, he quoted a line, I guess, that someone said, uh, regarding the Queen of England right now, and they said as long as there's a Queen or a King of England, marijuana will never be legalized in the UK. And he was like, he just felt like the strong opinions on either side were really interesting to him, and that's why he chose to have this world of marijuana as the driving force of the movie, which I, I thought was kind of interesting. Well, then do the fucking research. <laughs> 
you know? Yeah. That scene was long anyway. Like, in terms of the first time they see the, the weed operation, they were in there for four or five minutes. Like, you could have had him walking through rooms. Right. And you could have had people dressed like a at a normal, not just a bunch of gangster dudes wearing their regular clothes you could have people in tyvek suits with them you know hair nets on and yeah yeah like have it be if you are producing the best cannabis in the world the operation should look clean yeah <laughs> you know the processing room where all the weed is in the giant uh you know like freeze-dried styrofoam bins all the processed stuff and it doesn't even look like weed it's all brown <laughs> like that room is in the same room with a bunch of plants that are flowering like come on yeah. That's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, over here we have places that are filthy with cannabis. Facilities. Check out Canna Cribs on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, it's a just go watch one episode and you'll see how legit and organized it is. Yeah. And if you're some super gangster claiming the highest weed technology in the world, make it look like it. <laughs> so yeah, for me at least the the story plot line I guess it didn't hit me as hard as it should have, and I'm still trying to figure out if that's because we're from California and it's not that big a deal to roll a blunt and smoke it. Tons of people grow weed in all <laughs> over the UK. Yeah. I mean, it's really popular. Right. I mean, there's a bunch of companies that make tents and lights and people be growing weed all over the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that I mean, yeah, the story, it, it didn't hit me as hard as I felt like it, it was trying to. One aspect of this film that is, for me, the number one most interesting thing about it are all the characters. I loved pretty much every character on screen in this film. They just have a very distinct personality and style and this larger-than-life aspect to them, and that's very typical of Guy Ritchie films. And I thought the casting was great across the board. Like, the actors who played, you know, their respective characters all I felt fit them very well. Matthew McConaughey, he plays an American. He has like, you know what, an American mother and a British father or something. He, he has ties to both countries, I guess, but he's great. I've, I've loved everything McConaughey has been in for the past five, six years, maybe even longer. He's, he's really made a comeback for me. So one thing I, I was a comeback. Was he down? Oh, man. Some roles that, that bothered you? Oh, yeah. I mean, he was the king of romantic comedy. Oh, yeah. Didn't he like, do like a bunch of uh, yeah, just Kate a, Hudson? Totally. All these, these awful films. Uh, the Wedding Planner. Like, yeah. And then. I don't I th think I've seen any of those. I think it wasn't until True Detective, the show on HBO with Woody Harrelson and him, where he started that climb up the mountain again. And he's just been in. Like, hit after hit. He's been doing such a great job. So I thought that was really great casting to have him in there. He um, was too cool for me. Too cool? In the movie. Oh, you didn't buy into his, like, his swag. He's too much McConaughey. <laughs> like, dazed and confused McConaughey? No, like the Buick and the Wild Turkey commercials. <laughs> oh, yeah. McConaughey. The Lincoln commercials? Yeah, I would have yeah. liked him to be... I don't know. He just he just felt like he wasn't really <laughs> acting. He was just being himself, being McConaughey, reading the lines. Yeah. And he's great at that too. <laughs> but I would have I would have liked a uh, a little more. Like in True Detective, he's like a deranged alcoholic. Yeah, you know, obsessive guy. In uh, Dallas Buyers Club, he was absolutely fantastic because he's yeah. not playing. He's so good in this himself. Yeah, and he was a little too much. Too McConaughey. Too much McConaughey. <laughs> For me in this one. He was probably my least favorite out That's of all fair. the characters. Yeah, well, he wasn't my favorite, but yeah, I totally see where you're coming from. You do have a favorite, though, don't you? Yeah, Colin Farrell, coach. Yeah, another he great character. He was my favorite character in the movie. His Every line he has <laughs> is hilarious. He's not in the movie very much. No. But he is so freaking funny <laughs> and so matter-of-fact and, like, so unshaken by anything yeah. and so, like, just going to do whatever he has to do. The fact, and his little, his toddlers, yeah, his whole, his whole gym of young <laughs> MMA fighters that right. go out and make rap YouTube videos <laughs> of committing crimes is hilarious. 
I it love is it. so funny, and I just loved his character. Yeah. I wish he was in the movie a lot more, to be honest. The introduction of his character in the burger joint, when it was just a random that was just a random group of kids, right? That were causing trouble. Yeah, I don't know if it's linked to one of the kids that saw. It might be linked to one of the kids yeah. that saw the dude go off the the balcony. Yeah, I can't and remember. Took selfies with it. Yeah, I can't remember. But they're basically giving him shit, and they want to shank him, and he just schools all of them and like smacks them in the face and shoots shit in their eyes, like <laughs> yeah, like vinegar. Yeah, vinegar is like the perfect intro for a character like that. Yeah, and his, their whole like plaid track suits yeah. that they're wearing are <laughs> fucking hilarious. It's so funny. Yeah, and then on top of that too, he's able to rock his Irish accent. I thought that was. I don't know. I I have kind of this obsession with accents, and I I loved all the accents in this movie. They they kind of tell a lot about the character, and Colin Colin Farrell he was able to rock the uh, the Irish accent in there, and he was it was just great. Yeah, the accents are great. Something about British accents coming from America is just more pleasant. Yeah, it's mu- much more. I'm with pleasant you. to listen to. Like when I listen to you know like lecture series and audio books and stuff. Yeah, I always prefer the narrator to have a British accent. Yeah, I don't know. There's something that just seems sounds smarter to me when someone says <laughs> smarter. <laughs> yeah. And it's so high pitched, you know. Like so many of the dudes are so high pitched that it's really funny to me. Yeah. Like Hugh Grant's voice in the whole movie is so high. <laughs> but it's really funny. Yeah. Another character I really loved was uh Mickey's wife, Rosalind, played by Michelle Dockery. She rocks the Cockney accent. Yeah. And I loved how badass she is. She she doesn't even really have any action scenes at all, but she plays this total badass character. She runs like this auto shop. It's like women friendly, so women can come in so they f- they don't feel, you know, uncomfortable dealing with with auto mechanics and she runs this operation and she's like a total entrepreneur like her husband and she's gangster she's in her own right super gangster but you always feel like they're at the same level if anything she she feels it seems like she's like she takes charge in the relationship almost but i i love the presence she brings with that character throughout the whole film yeah there's something really sexy about like a boss chick yeah you know and her her eyes and her eyebrows Really, like, stuck out to me in the movie. Yeah, she has, like, this wicked, piercing stare. Yeah. Yeah, She's really good. Really great character. I mean, there are are a few really recognizable English actors uh, in this movie, particularly Eddie Marzen. I think he was in... I first saw him. He played Big Dave. And I think my first exposure to him was in the show Sherlock. And it's it's a BBC show. Oh, it's um, probably awesome. Then. It's great, and it's Benedict Cumberbatch plays uh, Sherlock Holmes. Um, I thought he did. Oh no, I'm thinking Doctor Strange. He's Doctor. Strange he's Doctor Strange too. too. But I mean, a lot of the the stuff they bring out of there, it's just really, really well done. But now that I think about it, I don't know. I don't know if I'm just drawn to the accents, and I think they're really good. But maybe, I don't know. Maybe they're not. Yeah, Big Dave is like the the evil tabloid. Yeah. man in the movie. He was he was really funny. I like the interplay with. Uh, how uh, Michelle Dockery's character is getting stolen goods, stolen like rims and car parts and stuff from the Chinese. Right. And I really liked uh, Tom Wu, his character. Yeah. He's not in the movie much, but I really like him as an actor. He was Hundred Eyes in that Marco Polo show. Yeah. On uh, Netflix. Yeah. And he plays the Lord in this movie. Yeah. And by the way, Netflix, you fucked up on that show. <laughs> because you picked the baddest ass empire in history to do a show on, and you started eighty years late. Uh oh! You started eighty years after you should have. It shouldn't have been called Marco Polo. It should have been called Chingus. <laughs> and you should have started the damn show earlier. And there's a way more story plot lines. You wouldn't have had to have all this stupid love shit with Marco Polo <laughs> and all these. Chinese princesses and shit. You could have just done the Mongols and that show would still be running today. Oh, man. You fucked up. Oh, they struck a nerve. El Tato's not up, happy. Netflix. <laughs> and then you canceled the shit. Yeah, then they After canceled After two it. years. That was a really well-made show. It was 
awesome. Yeah. I guess the budget was like insane. I heard it was through the roof. And it was awesome. All those Asian actors yeah. were so good. And the Persian dude, like, oh, it was so good. Yeah. And Marco Polo was the least interesting character in the entire show. <laughs> it's like, totally fucked that up. Yeah. But anyway, I really like 100 Eyes. And his the scene where he gets poisoned by Mickey was great. And he starts puking and stuff. Oh, yeah. That he just starts great. spewing shit out of his mouth, like projectile vomiting. You, oh man, I felt like I was watching The Exorcist. It was, it was brutal to watch, but yeah, it was a lot of crazy moments like that in this movie. What'd you think of Dry Eye? His like kind of apprentice, ambitious little gangster. Yeah, I I bought his portrayal of being like the young hard ass, like that the the climber trying to get everything he wants. This dude, I mean, he's been in, he's wow, he was in uh, Crazy Rich Asians, I think. He was in Crazy Rich Asians. You know, I didn't see that whole movie, but it was on. Yeah. When we were working out in the middle of nowhere. Right. In the shitty hotels. Yeah. But uh, it was on one day while I was drinking or doing something. And yeah. there was a lot of funny lines in that Crazy Rich Days. I actually want to watch it. Cause there were some hilarious lines in it. And I just kind of was on in the background. Well, we'll put it on uh, our episode list maybe for the future. On a throwback. Yeah, maybe. Um, he was also in like the most recent thing he was in was this romantic Christmas comedy with Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones, and <laughs> that movie just looked terrible. But Isn't she like the queen or some shit. No, well, it's in also a Game U- of Thrones. Yes, she, she blonde. Put, yeah, she's not blonde though, right? She's not naturally no. But yeah, that was that was the last thing I heard of him in. But yeah, I totally bought his performance. He's a great actor, and I I bought the, you know, the tough like up and comer that he plays in this film. There were times there where I just wanted to reach the screen and punch him in the fucking face. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a dick. <laughs> yeah, in the totally. Movie, but he plays it well. Yeah, totally. I felt like everyone in the film did a great job with the roles they had. It was probably a blast on set with how funny the movie is and yeah. all those, you know, high-level actors. Yeah, totally. It's probably cool. Did you like the fact that McConaughey in this movie played an American character, or do you think they could have just ran with this with an, a whole English cast? Because, like, being an American, I felt, was kind of a, a big thing with uh, Mickey's past history, I guess. Yeah, I, it works. It's part of the story. Yeah. You know, that they they constantly jab back and forth Yeah, between America and the U.K., but, like, are you going to have McConaughey as that character doing a British accent? Because that probably wouldn't land very well. Yeah, I guess. I guess my question is, could you have had someone else in the role? Yeah, other than McConaughey, someone English. Yeah, if you're gonna go full snatch, just put Brad Pitt in it and <laughs> oh, have him be a pikey gangster. Could you imagine? That'd be hilarious. That actually would have been great. Be funny. Yeah, he's a gypsy weed yeah. lord. Just have him be the fucking gypsy. Just have him be the gypsy in this movie and call this snatch two, with a weed component. <laughs> And I feel like this movie would have worked. <laughs> it, it it worked, but it, it was just fell <laughs> fell a little flat. It didn't live up to what it was trying to be. Yeah, I got the, I definitely got that feeling too. <laughs> but yeah, any other performances that you really kind of were drawn to in the movie? I think we hit a lot of the major ones. Yeah, that's been all the toddlers with the with the Cockney accent. They they must have something against the word or the letter T because they never pronounce the T. They always say like better instead of <laughs> instead of better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But yeah, I love I love all the toddlers. They were cracking me up. I was like literally <laughs> laughing my ass off in every scene because they all have those funny plaid yeah. tracksuits on and they're like young and it it was kind of like a cool a cool jab at like the I guess the millennial, I guess our yeah. or younger generation yeah. of kids and how they want to be super gangster and they're just like <laughs> Willing to commit crimes and put it on YouTube. Like, how <laughs> stupid is that? It, I thought that was a really funny aspect and kind of like a good jab. But here's the real question, though. Did you like the rap? And could you understand the mm-hmm. rap? <laughs> yeah, I did. It was funny. Oh, I would shit. actually like to listen to it like on the soundtrack. I hope it's on the soundtrack. I think it's on YouTube. 
All right. I think the music videos on YouTube. I can right, go back so and check. Like the actual video yeah. that they shot yeah. with all the GoPros and yep. stuff. That'd be funny. Yeah, I think it's on YouTube. I could have swore I came across that. Yeah, it's way more of a comedy movie than like an action adventure movie. You know what? You know? After you say that, I, I feel like you would enjoy the movie more going into it with knowing that. Yeah. Where I was expecting some hardcore gangster like Guy Ritchie film. Yeah, and me I'm too. Like, this movie's about weed? Come on, guys. Yeah. It's a total comedy. Yeah. And it is funny. It works on that level. Yeah, but comedies you don't have to go to the theater and see. I was expecting right. some like epic visual action. Yeah. Because like some of the fights in Snatch, some of like the fight scenes mm-hmm. were shot really well. Yeah. And I was hoping for some stuff like that. There's some decent like chase scenes. Yeah. But nothing nothing that like popped off the screen. Yeah. The whole movie. Actually, no, I take that back. The car accident at the end was oh, awesome. Right, the side swipe. Actually, yeah. Yeah. That was the best, you know, visual mm-hmm. action in the movie. Okay, yeah. And how it didn't cut, you know, like mm-hmm. the whole camera inside the car while they're flipping. I that was really well done. Well, yeah. Well, speaking of, of how the movie looks, I mean, one thing I will say about this film, and I don't know, it, this might sound surprising. I think this was one of the, the most well shot films I've seen in a while. And not better than nineteen seventeen. Well, that doesn't count. That's that's on a that's a league of its <laughs> that's own. An outlier. Yeah, right? that's totally. Don't ever count yeah. the outliers. No, 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 no. When you talk about cinematography, that's that's on another planet. But what I what I mean is, so you have these characters that are real larger than life. They're very you know animated. They have these huge personalities, and I love how the way he shoots them also emphasizes that. So I don't know if you noticed, but there are a lot of shots that frame the characters from a very low angle. So everything looks like you're looking up at the characters. So they're larger than life the way they're written, but on screen and visually, they're also larger than life because he literally makes them tower over the camera. So a lot of the the viewpoints that you get are from a low angle, and they kind of heighten that sense of these characters are huge and they have really big personalities. And I love how... His close-up shots, he frames in a way where you're looking at like an eight by ten portrait almost. Whenever he has these characters saying something important, he really does a good job of like having you focus in on their face, and that's really effective when you're you're doing kind of like a character-based film with in like a Guy Ritchie movie in this case. I think that holds true for all the characters except for Colin Farrell. Okay. Because I feel like they emphasize his true stature. Oh, I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? Yeah, because yeah. like he's really funny, and he's you know he shot like the scene when they're looking out of the trunk and stuff. Yeah. But his scenes, you actually understand how short he is <laughs> yeah. in in real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's still such a badass. Sure. That it it really doesn't matter. It's almost like. Uh, I feel like what you're saying is true. Like uh, the dry eye seemed really tall in the yeah, movie. Yeah. He's probably not that tall of a guy. Mm-hmm. But Colin Farrell's character, like the scene in the in the burger shop, yeah, with all the kids, right? He's like kind of the same size as them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it like kind of has this dynamic of where like the kids are like, oh, this guy's not even towering over us or that big, but he's such a badass. Yeah. Okay. I totally so get what you're for saying. that character. I I feel like his shortness was kept. Because you can shoot a movie however you want, right? Right, yeah. Like, you can make all these dudes look like they're all the same height. Yeah. But he was the one character where it's like, you know that he's shorter than all these people. Like, all of his toddler guys are way bigger than yeah. him. But he's, like, totally the master. And that has to be something intentional, too. Oh, yeah. Because he's setting you up for underestimating his character. Yeah, And then totally. you find out he's just a total badass. Yeah, he's more gangster than everyone. He doesn't want to be, though. Well, the ki- and, and the kids in the, the burger joint that are trying to, you know, get the better of him, they even go, like, that's the coach? Yeah. That's the coach. Like, he has a history. People know who he is. That's a really great point. But, yeah, I, I felt like visually the film was so interesting because the shots matched – like the characters, they they really did a great job of enhancing, you know, the the personality of the characters, and that's something that stuck out to me. I mean, when you you kind of watch a little more casually, you you know wouldn't think much of it, but for whatever reason in this movie, it really stuck out to me. Some of the action stuff I thought was really well done. I liked the uh, the part where Charlie Hunnam's character is chasing after the kids who took snapshots of the the dude being thrown out the window, the Russian kid. 
<laughs> yeah, those chase scenes were pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> and it they kind of like like made an emphasis of showing the age difference of like Char- Charlie Hunnam's character with the people he's trying to track down and he's trying to keep up with them. I like I love the way it was all shot together and edited because a lot of the editing in those scenes and and throughout the film too is really fast-paced. So it keeps that sense of energy up. And I, I just loved, I thought the, the editing along with the shots really blended well together to give you, even though there wasn't any real super high intense action on screen, it gave you the sense of sort of high stakes, fast pace, stuff like that. And I thought it was funny how uh, Raymond and all of his henchmen, like Bunny and the other dude, it was funny how they were like these these guys that were just total gangsters and they didn't give two shits. They were not intimidated at all at being in like this ghetto London neighborhood. Yeah. And they go into this like heroin house. I I liked that scene a lot. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. As as well as being very tense. Uh-huh. But yeah, the scene when when uh they come out of there and they have to chase everyone. It's like comical. <laughs> yeah. It's action, but it's totally comical at the same time because the kids are like having no problem outrunning <laughs> these older men. Yeah. But they just don't give up. Right. And it was it was that stuff was fun. The whole movie was really fun. It wasn't Yeah. Like, wow, that's awesome. Right. It was much more like chuckling the whole movie. Totally, yeah. It's a it's a definitely a good time. It's a good watch. It's you'll enjoy it. Just some of the stakes didn't work for me. <laughs> you reminded me of a scene with Charlie Hunnam's character, uh, Ray, when he's breaking the news of what happened prior to the chase with those kids when one of them falls out of the window and dies, and he's breaking the news to <laughs> Mickey and Rosalind. And he's like, you know, basically telling him what happened. And then Rosalind goes, so you killed someone. And then I think he responds something like, well, I didn't kill him. The The gravity tech <laughs> killed him. Gravity. <laughs> yeah. It's it's real funny how they're they're like doing pretty gangster shit and they're so proper. Yeah. About everything. And it's I feel so British. Yeah, you know? it's so guy Ritchie too. It's it's hilarious. And these are like I mean, obviously me and Tato are two Americans talking about this film, but it's it works so well on that level. What'd you think of uh Jeremy Strong's character, Matthew? Like the the rich billionaire from the states who's trying to buy mcconaughey's whole operation yeah totally i i thought his performance was really really good and really gave you a good sense of what that character was all about the vibe i got from him was that he's this american he's also an american but he's trying to be this social climber almost like he's trying to get into this british society and get all this prestige and I got the sense that one of the ways he plans on doing that is, you know, purchasing this operation from Mickey. And he's he's very kind of, you can tell he's like a social climber almost, and he's very sleazy. So sleazy. Super sleazy. And, and Jeremy Strong did a great job with that. And he was another character that I wanted to just jump through and smack in the face every time he was like, he really gave off that annoying quality, but I felt like it worked really great for the kind of character he was. That super rich kid. Spoiled. Trust fund. Yeah. Billionaire. Right. You know, like he's he's very, very hateable. Ex- yeah. In yeah. the movie, but he's also like kind of effeminate and kind of funny too. Yeah. That's interesting you brought that up because I also got kind of like an effeminate quality about his character. Yeah. I don't it's, know. It's, I don't know. It's almost, it almost seems like it's a ploy. Yeah. It's almost like an effeminate ploy to not to conceal the sleaze. I get you. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like he's doing all kinds of backdoor shit the whole time, but he wants you to seem like he, he's a harmless little dude. <laughs> I've never yeah. seen him in, in anything before, I don't think. Um, But he was really good. Yeah, no, his... <sighs> he's in that uh, Succession show. On HBO, I think. Oh, okay. I haven't seen it. I I've heard it's great. In, by I've the seen way. him in other things, and just off the top of my head, I can't remember what. And I, I don't know if he's American or English or not. But if he is English, it makes sense for him to be in here because they kind of borrow. I think he's American. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. The Brits are are just killing it on the the film and cinema front. Like, 
some of the best shows I've seen in the past five years are British shows. And oh, dude, Peaky Film Blinders, Street. dude. I talked some shit on Netflix earlier, but I mean, well, I, I don't think they produce it, but mm-hmm. Peaky Blinders is the best shit on Netflix. I've never seen it. Oh, dude. Yeah, I think it's a BBC show or it's something. I think it is, but, but I've heard great things about oh, it. Oh, dude, it is awesome. Yeah, it is so freaking good. <laughs> this last season that just ended was like intense. Anyone in this film pop up in in Peaky Blinders at all? Do you I recognize? Don't, I anyone? don't know. Peaky Blinders has been on for like five seasons. Yeah, yeah. And every it's a different time period, so people might be, you know, up in costume a little more. Sure. But yeah, I mean, a lot of my my favorite actors today are English actors. It's just. Do you think it would ever fly to have an American actor doing a British accent in a movie like this, or do you think that would get land so poorly in the UK that they wouldn't even have the balls to try? Because I think that's how this movie is. Yeah, I think all the people that have accents in the movie. Maybe besides Dry Eye. Yeah. I don't know if he's from England or not. See, that's... A, and But, I mean, if McConaughey did... Do you think that would even fly? Yeah, well, this There's goes, so many good English actors. That's what that, I'm like, saying. Like, you wouldn't have to. That's why I asked you that question earlier about McConaughey, if you, if you thought you could swap him out with another actor. And for me, this film seems so specifically British that they could have just rolled with an entirely British cast, and it might have even worked better. You could get away with a British person doing an American accent in this. I don't know if you, the reverse is true. Yeah, I mean, there are some some American actors out there that can do a pretty decent English accent, but I mean, I don't know. To me, it's not even necessary. You would just, I say, just cast someone English. It's they have so many great actors right now. Have you seen uh, Charlie Hunnam in other? Um, things so if i'm not mistaken charlie hunnam is in was in sons of anarchy okay biker show i i I haven't watched it it. i've never watched it either but i do know that charlie Uh, he kind of does look yeah like i know he was in the running for the main character of 50 shades of gray at one point i don't know anything about that shit 50 shades of gray (laughs) i know all the old ladies love it yeah the old ladies subtle porn Yeah, old-timey porn on pages. Yeah. No pictures. I saw I was on a flight to uh, the UK, to London, and I watched, I think it was like an Arthur. uh, Yeah. An Arthur movie. Right. And it was like a kind of a weird, not sci-fi, but like total fictional ghosts and weird supernatural things version of the Arthur story. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was entertaining. It was cheesy as fuck. But he was in that. He played, like, I believe, Arthur. Here's the thing, though. If I'm not mistaken, I think that was a Guy Ritchie film, too. Arthur. Was it? We'd have to ask the Google gods real quick, but I'm almost certain Guy Ritchie had some involvement in that movie. Yeah, I watched it on a plane on, like, a six-inch screen, so. Yeah. But it was entertaining. I mean, when you're on a plane for, you know, nine hours. Yeah. Anything's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, there's a, f- a few properties. Like I like that. him, though. I want to see him in more stuff. Yeah. He seems like one thing he's I a liked, good action gangster man. One thing I liked the most about him, though, in this film, Ray, is that he's the total the total muscle for Mickey. And the film. brains, almost, well, and that's, too. Well, that's what I was getting at, though. He's the muscle, but at the same time, it seemed like they didn't want him to portray just muscle. Like, he's wearing glasses, his cardigan sweaters and he comes across as this gentleman this english gentleman that's like has this very you know nice quaint home with his barbecue grill in the back and oh. you know he's searing his steak he seems like very cultured but at the same time he'll chase you down and fucking kill you you know i, I thought that was an interesting choice with the, the character of ray i didn't even think of uh how the name is connected to the movie until you just said that Oh, what, what which you, just landed for it yeah, just landed for me. Yeah, that that that's even funnier. Right. Yeah. I mean, I saw the thing like four days ago. Yeah. <laughs> and that just landed. That yeah, that's what it is. There are all these proper yeah gentlemen. Right. Gangsters. Now that I think about it, I wonder if that's funny. Yeah. If the stakes of the film were meant to be portrayed that way, where it's like maybe this isn't you know the most dangerous operation in the world, but in this world it is. 
that's yeah. And and we have you know a bunch of these these gangsters. Yeah, rating my my fucking rating just went up because <laughs> I got it finally. Oh man, did that land for you right away? That's what I I thought of initially. Well, his character in particular is what I was thinking of after the the credits started rolling because I. One of the things I think of, you know, most of the time when I watch films is like, well, why did they give it that title? Yeah, I, I don't tend and, to yeah. make that connection. And much. and with this film, like I said, you have, you know, Ray's character. We just talked about Jeremy Strong and the character of Matthew, where he's like a social climber almost. So he's trying to give off the sense of, you know, regality with his whole sleazy background. Then you have McConaughey, you know, the, the Wild West cowboy American who's trying to run his operation in the UK. I guess that's that's what the movie's about. That's where the title comes from, The Gentleman. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. Yeah, The Southern Gentleman McConaughey. Yeah. And they're all super dapper. Yeah. Some good good suits in <laughs> yeah. this movie. Nice threads. Wow. So, yeah, live. I, I changed your... Uh, yeah, I, I dude. a little bit of a boost. Totally. Like, yeah. Gave you a protein It's booster. funny. Maybe it's one of those movies... That you watch it again on stream. Maybe it's one of those movies that lands really well later. Oh, man. I could guarantee you that if you get Because it's funny as hell. I would love to watch it again just for all the lines and the jokes in it. Well, here's the thing, too. The, the plot and the film itself is so dense that if you gave it a second watch, I know you would catch things that you didn't catch the first time. Yeah, for like, sure. It's totally one of those films. It's like the club, all the old Club Dread movies like Super Troopers and... yeah. Uh, or the Broken Lizard dudes. Mm -hmm. All those movies, if you watch them again, they're funnier every single time you watch them. Yeah. And Snatch is kind of like that, too. Yeah. I mean, I've watched Snatch a boatload of times, so maybe Mm -hmm. this is that kind of movie, you know? Yeah. It's not a blockbuster where you have to go out Mm -hmm. and go see it. Shout out to Studio Movie Grill. I saw this movie at one of these places. Yeah. Never been to one before, and, like, I got a... Barbecue Western cheeseburger <laughs> and some fries and a beer. Yeah. And it was pretty well priced. And the I could lay down and eat like yeah. a table. It was dope. Recline and dine. And the movie was only eight fifty. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, here's an idea. Why don't you you throw in the meal and then you can lower the price of the ticket and just pay for the whole experience. That's that sounds what what this is. I mean, I was under forty bucks with a tip. Yeah. Which is pretty dope. There's no reason a ticket should cost you over ten bucks. They always do <laughs> for me. But but anyway, yeah, this movie might get it might age really well. Yeah, with I can the see the amount that. of sharp writing and jokes. Yeah, that are in it. The writing's really good. As of this recording, I think the the score on Rotten Tomatoes I saw was like a seventy two or seventy three. That seems pretty. So pretty that's good. That's pretty much spot on where I would peg it in terms of like the critic response. Was there anything else in particular that you found yourself thinking about after you saw the movie or stuck with you? No. Uh, just off the top of your head? No, I mean, it all landed, and it all kind of came together and, and wasn't too confusing at the very end. Yeah. You know, like there was a lot going on throughout all of it, but it all wrapped up nice and tight. Yeah. I like uh, the kind of climax of the movie. With Michelle Dockery's character, mm-hmm. how she's like shoots those two dudes with that little pea shooter gun. Oh yeah, the paperweight. Yeah, and then almost gets raped by uh, Dry Eye. Yeah, yeah, it wrapped up nice. Yeah, the, uh, the car crash at the end really mm-hmm. boosted it for me on the action side. Yeah, it really brought things to like. All right, there's at least one awesome super expensive to shoot scene. Right. It seemed really dope. I loved at the end how you have Fletcher and <laughs> after dropping all the, those nuggets of shit and, you know, completing his like investigative work, he's at Miramax Pictures selling the script of the entire plot that he just laid out in the beginning of the film to make another buck. Yeah. Like, it was hilarious. Hugh Grant just cracked me up in this whole movie. Super funny. (laughs) Super funny. Yeah. He's really great at comedy. What did you hate most about the movie? Let's do Love Hates. Well, let's start. I'll I'll start with the hate first. And I I wouldn't even say I hated it. It's just I don't feel like what they were trying to do with the story and the plot 
in terms of the stakes hit me the way that maybe they intended it to, where I felt it just wasn't all that, you know, dangerous or high stakes for me. And then the plot was a little hard to follow at times. It was so dense. And I really struggled to, like, focus in and try to, to follow each little piece. Although maybe that's not the point of this movie, I don't think. But I, I found it difficult at times. And I immediately wanted to ask you if you, you had the same reaction. Yeah, I didn't find it too difficult to follow. But what I hated the most out of it was the lack of research into the weed. Sure. It's like that is just a slap in the face. And that's unacceptable for our podcast. That's unacceptable, unacceptable. for a lot of people. <laughs> it's just weed's a big deal. Do it justice. Yeah, for you sure. Know? And then, obviously, the thing I loved most about this movie were the characters, particularly Hugh Grant's character, Fletcher. Yeah. Fletcher just, and Coach yeah. made the movie hilarious. Yeah. I, Without those two characters, I mean, they probably got, those two probably got 60% of my, oh, my yeah. laughing. Yeah. They and were, then the toddlers got a good chunk of the rest. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were the most enjoyable to watch and, and really made it, you know, worth worth seeing that that first time. Is, is this a movie you would watch again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not in the theater, sure. But yeah, if it was streaming on something, and I was uh, just flipping around, yeah, it's like a good get some chuckles. And if you've seen the movie once, you know how funny it is front to back. So it'll be a good movie to where like, oh, you can jump in on it, sure, halfway through and just watch it for twenty minutes and laugh a few times. Yeah, totally. I think it's going to be like that's how, you know, like a snatch type movie is. If you I don't ha I haven't had TV in a long time, but for people that flip around, there were certain movies all through life that if you land on it's like, "All right, I'll just pick up watching it because yeah, it's great from that point on." You know, Big Lebowski is one of those movies. Yeah. Snatch, I feel like this is one of those types of movies that's going to have a really good longevity. Yeah, you know, that's that's like it's going to age much better than it landed initially. Yeah, and I can totally buy into that. You you really that's a great analogy you made with Big Lebowski cuz I remember the first time I saw Big Lebowski, I just I felt like I didn't get it. I yeah. was like, "Hmm, Kingpin's one of those movies too." Yeah. Like there's comedy movies that sure. that age really well. Yeah, but Lebowski now is like one of my favorite films. I love yeah. that movie. It's a freaking cult. Yeah, man. it's great. So yeah, I I would agree with you. I think giving this a second watch would be beneficial. I think there there are things you would pick up the second viewing, and you might even it might grow on you a little more. I might even do that actually. Have you looked at any numbers on how it's done? It's been out like a week and a half at the time when we we're recording this. Um, I haven't heard anything crazy about it, so it must be doing, you know, pretty much where the projections were in terms of the box office. There was three people in the theater. When I really, when it. you saw it? Yeah, I was the fourth person. There was a couple, mm -hmm. me, and some other dude. Oh, okay. In like a, a you know hundred yeah. leather seater recliner, but it was at four forty five in the afternoon, so yeah, you know, it was a matinee. And this was the dine in, though, right? Yeah, same spot. Okay, so I went to a standard theater, and my room was packed, and I went on a Thursday afternoon. So that's interesting. I went on a Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, after work. Okay, yeah. I, I know Tuesdays are kind of an off day, too. So It was sweet. I'd prefer it that way. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I prefer yeah. being in a theater with not a lot of people. But yeah, as far as I've heard, I, I haven't heard anything crazy about, like, you know, this movie's going to lose money or anything. Okay. And I feel like if you're a Guy Ritchie fan in general, you're going to go out and see it. Movies that don't have insane blockbuster budgets don't generally lose tons of money, right? Right. Again, they don't invest a whole lot of money either, though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, the scale's so much sure. smaller that they can. They're a lot safer. A lot safer. A lot safer. Uh, less less gamble and less, you know, less risk. So I guess overall for me, this is, The Gentleman is a movie I'd recommend. I think I'm with you. It's not one that you would have to see in a theater. Uh, something you could catch streaming or wait till it, it's released and buy it digitally or on DVD, whatever. DVD? People still have DVD players? Well, they still advertise DVD releases. Do you have a DVD player? No. I don't. I, I haven't had one in like five years. Yeah, I'm same. Same. I have uh, an Apple TV. I buy all my movies digitally. The characters are, are funny and interesting enough to keep your attention. The plot is fine. Uh, it didn't work all that well for me, but it's a Guy Ritchie film. I think through and through it's a Guy Ritchie film, and if you like Guy Ritchie and his movies, this is one that should be pretty decent for you. 
You know, I almost feel like his name is is bigger than my memory bank of Guy Ritchie movies. Yeah. Or maybe I'm not I'm just not educated enough on all of his portfolio, but like Snatches, he has this massive cult following. Snatch is probably his Sna- most popular. Snatch is what comes to mind right away. Yeah. But what a, do you know off the top of your head a bunch of movies that he's done? To be honest, his genre of films are not have you like lock stock and two smoking barrels i That's saw him, right i've seen that once i haven't seen it yeah that was okay i feel like there's more though that i've just not there are recalling like i said the most recent one that he did that i didn't even know he did you know until after was uh aladdin yeah that's and interesting it's really weird so i mean if you want to see a guy ritchie film that's not your standard guy ritchie film that's that's one to go check out yeah overall impressions for me it landed a little flat from what i was expecting because i was putting it on a little snatchy pedestal and i thought it was going to be very similar (laughs) and it was extremely similar but in terms of uh construction of the story yeah you know a lot of different storylines all coming together at the end which is is cool but they fucked up the weed shit really bad (laughs) and it fell flat on action for me I wanted a lot more action. Where it completely overperformed was in the comedy. Yeah. I was laughing my ass off the whole movie. <laughs> and anybody that's going to go out and see this movie, smoke the giggliest indica you got because it is a comedy. <laughs> go into it as a full-blown comedy. Don't be expecting some super action gangster movie because it's way more of a comedy movie and it's hilarious on that end. I totally think- hilarious. I think that's advice I'm going to take if I watch this a second time. So what do you rate this movie? I'll give the movie... I was at three bong loads. Yeah? I've been there for a few days uh-huh. thinking about my my rating, and I was at solid three bong loads. And then while we were doing the podcast, and you brought up the whole freaking <laughs> connection that I didn't even get beforehand... That the movie's called The Gentleman, and that's the joke. You know, that's the giant joke. They're all these, like, super dapper... Poshy British dudes. Gentlemen. Yeah. Doing all this bad shit. I guess it's bad. It's not really bad. No, it's not bad. Weed's not bad. It's not bad. So, yeah, I'll come at... I'll come at uh, three and a half. All right. Three and a half bonglos. So I raised you up a, a half, a half, half a point. A half a bong load. So one of those ones where you just touch the lighter to it for like a second. Just, <laughs> just a little. All right, fair enough. I'm right there with you, man. Uh, three and a half buckets of popcorn for me. It's uh, It it was what I expected, a little less than what I expected. Uh, overall, though, it was it was enjoyable to watch. I didn't despise the movie in any way. So, yeah, I'd, I'd totally recommend it and... Give it a chance. Whether you go see it in the theater or streaming, totally up to you. It'll be better streaming because you'll be able to watch it multiple times, and I think that's how this movie's going to age. It's going to be really funny the second time you watch it because it's hilarious the first time. Yeah, totally. And and I'm right there with you. I think this has some big Lebowski potential. Maybe. Not that, not that, what, not that high, what, but what, I, what? in terms of rewatch value, possibly. I don't want to. That's, a, that's a pedestal right there. You just <laughs> you just leaned up against. Do you think they'll ever do a sequel to that movie? To Lebowski? Yeah. Um They've been talking about So John Turturro's character? Yeah. Jesus. Oh yeah, the offshoot. You don't fuck with the Jesus? The offshoot. That's coming out. I yeah, saw, I saw a poster that. for it. Mm-hmm. And we will definitely be <laughs> reviewing that because he's like one of my favorite characters in that whole movie. Yeah. He's really funny. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know if the gentleman's going to be up on there. But it, I think it's going to age well. It's going to be a funny movie that uh, if you watch a few times, I think it's going to get better and better. Sure. Because the writing is so sharp and the accents and the acting is so sharp. I guess it's an expectation issue for me. Yeah. I was expecting something snatch level and it felt like it tried to be that but wasn't. I get you. Totally. But it was funnier. I mean, Snatch is really funny, too. Yeah. But this was funny. Almost every Hugh Grant line in the movie is funny. Almost <laughs> every single one. That's our view of, of The Gentleman with uh, 
Guy Ritchie. This is episode six of Buffalo Blazer. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. And real quick before you head out, let's give ourselves a quick shameless plug here. You guys can follow us on Twitter. We're on Twitter at Buffin Blazer. There you can find like the latest news that we have going on, the latest episodes when they drop. We also got a website. Yeah, the website is thebuffintheblazer.com. Drew writes an article that goes along with every single episode, so you can read that. You can interact. You can comment. There's a little bit of links to YouTube videos and such and just a little bit more content relative to all the reviews we do. Right, and of course, check out the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And if you guys have a chance after the show, give us a rating and a review, and it, it helps us to grow and gets us you know, to kind of parse out the feels you guys have for us, and we can keep giving you the, t- the content. Yeah, get those clicks, people. Let's get a little... Let's try and grow this thing, because this is fun shit. That's the show we got for you guys. Thanks for joining us. Check you later.